This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andre Cherry, your host of the Cherry Picking Podcast. And on today's episode, we will be taking a look into the state of Mississippi football. College football in the state of Mississippi is going to look a whole lot funkier next season. Why, you ask? Well, that's because Ole Miss and Mississippi State both hired new football coaches at the end of the 2019 season. The two names you're already familiar with, but let's start with the first one, which is at Ole Miss, and it is Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin joins Ole Miss after coaching three seasons at Florida Atlantic. Kiffin posted a 27-13 and record during his tenure with the Owls, including two 11-win seasons in 2017 and 2019. Prior to FAU, Kiffin was a head coach at USC for four seasons, and prior to that, he was a head coach at Tennessee for one season. But if you blinked, you probably missed it. He inherited the program from longtime head coach, Philip Fulmer, who was at the helm for close to two decades. Now, while Lane is most notably known as the son of longtime NFL defensive coordinator Monty Kiffin, I believe he's most famously known for how he left the University of Tennessee back in 2009. There's a fascinating article on ESPN by writer Chris Lowe that really did a great job illustrating how high the emotions ran for everyone close to that program during Kiffin's abrupt departure from Tennessee. Kiffin informed his players that he was leaving for the USC head coaching job after only 14 months at Tennessee. Kiffin took the vacated position left open by Pete Carroll as he headed up to take the head coaching position with the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL. And from that Chris Lowe article on ESPN, I quote, Several players who were in that emotionally charged meeting said Kiffin was interrupted several times by players yelling out before he could actually tell them that he was indeed moving on. End quote. So Lane Kiffin, he was trying to get out of there, trying to take the USC job. And as he was trying to give the, I guess, goodbye speech to his team, the players interrupted him several times by yelling out. And maybe they had a a sense that he always wanted the USC job. Maybe they knew that the writing was on the wall when Pete Carroll uh, left for the NFL and that opening was still left vacated. Maybe some of the players already sensed what was coming next that their head coach was going to bolt and go to USC, which is probably why they were yelling out before he could actually tell them that he was going to move on. So that's that was pretty interesting to kind of read that and to, to get a sense of how that must have gone. A really tense situation, a really hostile environment. You can't even tell your players that you're leaving because they already sense what's going on and they won't let you finish. It just, it must have been a crazy scene. And that Chris Lowe article continues on, and I quote, Groups of angry students and fans began surrounding the football complex after the news leaked that Kiffin had taken the USC job. Eventually, it evolved into a mob-like scene, with police moving in and barricading Johnny Major's drive in front of the football complex. Every time a car moved anywhere in the vicinity of the complex, the mob ran in that direction, shouting and chanting, F.U. Kiffin. End quote. So again, this is a crazy scene here. I mean, this is something out of a movie. I would I would watch this if it was a movie. The young hotshot college football head coach wants to leave to take another 
uh, top job. I would think at the time that Tennessee was a, a destination for most coaches. And Lane Kiffin got the opportunity only after one season to go to USC, another top job if you're a college football head coach. And he can't even get out of the the meeting without angry students somehow being tipped off. And this was this was well before social media blew up to the way it is today. I mean, there was probably Twitter. Twitter was probably around, but it wasn't as my sense is that it wasn't as instantaneous as things are today. And the fact that the news still leaked out and angry students started forming a mob around the complex and were shouting obscenities at Lane Kiffin, that's got to be a scary scene. For Lane Kiffin, and I'm sure his family was probably frightened as well. But that's something directly out of a movie. Like, I would watch that for real if that was uh, in the movie theaters. Escape from Tennessee, you know? Like, how how is this guy going to get out alive? So, anyways, apparently it was a chaotic scene outside of Naylin Thompson Sports Center where Lane had remained holed up in the football complex. Earlier that day, he met with the media to give a brief statement, but he refused to take any questions. He also had one stipulation, that none of the local television stations would broadcast his comments live. So even Lane Kiffin knew what would come if the local media down there in Knoxville reported his his speech, his farewell speech, live on the air. Fans would be pissed. Again, this was after Philip Fulmer had been the head coach for close to two decades. That's a program that you don't leave, or at least you didn't leave in Philip Fulmer's time. I mean, he was there for two two decades, which seems really long. I mean, it, that's a really long time if you think about just today. And then he, that's in the SEC as a very historic program. So Tennessee, up to that point, was not used to a coach just deciding to leave, to just leave on his own accord to take another job. Uh, you know, that's that had to have been crazy. Lane Kiffin probably knew that it was going to ruffle a lot of feathers, that he would probably get killed if they broadcast his farewell speech or his resignation speech live on the air. It probably wouldn't end well. And so during that media session where it didn't air live locally, Lane Kiffin went on the record as saying, and I quote, it's been an exciting time and I know that I can walk out of here and say this. We've been here for 14 months and there's not one day that I didn't give everything I had to the Tennessee football program. And I know just leaving that team room and looking around and the players coming in on this roster and what's going on in development that we're leaving here 14 months later, a lot better team than we were 14 months ago. He continued on to say, we've come a long ways and improved as a team and Tennessee is going to be great forever. Tennessee is going to be great forever. Let that hang in the air for just a second. And then uh, Kiffin retreated, and he said with a horde of reporters in tow, it's not about Lane Kiffin. Tennessee is a place that will always be great, end quote. That's a uh, that really sweet send-off, and Lane Kiffin couldn't have been more wrong in that statement. Tennessee is going to be great forever. We've come a long, long ways and improved as a team, and Tennessee is going to be great forever. It's not about Lane Kiffin. Tennessee's a place that will always be great. Well, Lane Kiffin, in the 10 seasons after your departure, Tennessee has gone on to have six losing seasons. And last season, many folks close to the program thought that the sky was falling down 
after the Volunteers posted two back-to-back losses to start the season, including an embarrassing loss to Georgia State in Week 1. They since went on to post an 8-5 and record, which includes a Gator Bowl victory. But my point is... Tennessee hasn't been great. The team hasn't been consistently good since the days of Philip Fulmer, who was at the controls for 17 years. So it's sad just looking back at how he left and then just kind of analyzing what his thoughts were at the time and his comments about thinking Tennessee will be great forever. It, it's been a rough go these last 10 seasons. And they've had a few, few bright spots. And I think posting an 8-5 and five record last season is a... An encouraging mark. I went on the record uh, at the end of last season with my early preseason predictions saying that I think Tennessee could win the SEC East this upcoming season. Um, And I, I said that just based upon the fact that everyone thought that the sky was falling down and that this was rock bottom. And it's it's far from rock bottom. Eight and five is a pretty solid record. You were third in the SEC East. I think there's great potential for Tennessee to improve next season, but the fact that he thought that Tennessee would be great forever was just uh, it was just a really sad, uh, sad ending to that short tenure that Lane Kiffin had for 14 months or so. Tennessee really suffered. I, I don't know that you could say Kiffin suffered at all. He's been very blessed and very fortunate to go to some great programs. USC is another destination for many coaches. He coached at FAU, but before that, he was Nick Saban's assistant for three seasons. I mean, that's a great opportunity for a lot of young coaches. And the fact that he's had all this success and all this luck and good fortune and landing at some some good spots, you know, he's extremely blessed. And I can't say that most coaches have that same experience because it just doesn't happen that way. So I think the, the, the program that really suffered the most was Tennessee. So, um, as I just mentioned, Tennessee got much worse before things got better. Kiffin lucked out and was able to secure his dream job at USC after a mediocre 7-6 record. He lasted four seasons with the Trojans, stringing together a 28-15 record before being fired by Pat Hayden on an airport tarmac. Do y'all remember that story at all? Because I I, I lost it initially. I, I forgot all about that. And I had to look it up. And this has been a cool exercise just to do some research on some of these coaches. And Lane Kiffin is an interesting guy. And I think this is another part of that movie that I mentioned earlier. He's trying to escape from Tennessee. He gets a USC job. And then he gets fired on an airport tarmac as he's coming back after a football game. That's, That's crazy. That's a crazy scene. So Lane Kiffin, he was fired by athletic director Pat Hayden following a 62-41 loss to Arizona State on September 28, 2013. He was fired following the ASU loss in the early morning hours after touching down at a private airport near LAX. Kiffin got led into a private room near the team bus where Hayden broke the news to him. Kiffin's Trojan were 3-2 and two at the time, and Kiffin was unsuccessful in trying to convince his boss to let him coach the rest of the season. At the time, Kiffin said the firing was the lowest point in his career. Kiffin was driven home that night by a team security person. So that's a that's a really sad ending for a guy that dreamed of being the USC head football coach. That's a that's one of my favorite programs, USC. 
I love that their fight song. I love hearing all that brass. And, you know, the fact that this guy got the opportunity one season at Tennessee, he got about four seasons into the job at USC, but things just didn't go, didn't go as, as he probably imagined. And he said, and he admitted that this was the lowest point in his career. And then he got driven home that night by a team security person. So that's, that's sad, you know? That's that's really sad. And and following the firing, Kiffin went on to work for Nick Saban at Alabama as the Tides offensive coordinator for three seasons. So um, I think he won at least one national championship probably, right? Probably two uh, national championships as the offensive head head uh, coordinator at Alabama. But that's a great uh, that's a great opportunity. You know, you lost the USC job, but you still get a chance to work for probably the best program in college football, that one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in college football. Nick Saban. So he still finds these opportunities despite these setbacks and despite getting fired. But after three seasons, he eventually would find his way back to a head coaching job with the FAU job. So during that time at FAU, he had two 11-win seasons, and that'll definitely get you noticed at better jobs, which it did. But boy, has anybody had better luck than Lane Kiffin? I don't think so. Now Kiffin takes over an Ole Miss program that has not produced a winning season since going 10-3 and in 2015 and winning the Sugar Bowl, which capped a string of four straight bowl appearances. The Rebels went 4-8 and this season and saw its head coach Matt Luke get fired after going 15-21 and in three seasons. His Rebels most famously lost the annual Egg Bowl rivalry this season between Mississippi State after a dog-peeing TD celebration. That's right, a dog peeing in the end zone at the hands of Rebels wide receiver Elijah Moore, which cost his team the game. It ultimately cost them the game because it pushed them out of uh, close field field goal range for the extra point, and the kicker missed the extra point, and they lost the game due to his celebration of mimicking a dog peeing in the end zone. And I think it probably also lost Luke's job as the head coach. So, yikes. The athletic director, Keith Carter, said before the hiring that Ole Miss has to find a head coach who can walk into a room and absolutely take over that room and galvanize people, bring them back. I think people just want to support. They want to come back. They want to come to Ole Miss football games, but we just lost some of that luster, end quote. After hearing that quote, I definitely think of Lane Kiffin as that guy who has enough swagger to kind of galvanize people, to make them feel inspired. Uh, he he seems he seems cool. Like he seems like a cool guy. Like he seems like he should be a great football coach. Honestly, he looks like a football coach to me. In my mind, he looks like the guy that could be a winner. That should be a winner, but he's not. You know. I think he's about 44 years old. He was very young when he got the Tennessee job. He was in his early 30s. He was like 34 when he got the USC job. So he's getting these opportunities well before he probably deserved them. But that doesn't mean that he can't turn his career around and that he can't have success at Ole Miss. He seems like a head football coach to me. And and that's crazy that he's had two opportunities to coach in the SEC now, if you think about it. But anything is possible. And I'm, I'm not wishing for this guy to fail. I'm just hoping that he has good luck at Ole Miss. They were a program that were recently under NCAA sanctions just recently. But if anybody's going to turn this around, I think Ole, I think Lane Kiffin could be that guy to turn it around at Ole Miss. And I'm really excited to see what he can do for the Rebels starting this season. So that was my look at the head coaching hire at Ole Miss. After this short break, we'll take a look at the new head coaching hire at Mississippi State. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. 
Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Kyle. This is Steven. Together we host a show called Boy Meets World. Tell them what we cover on Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. But that's not all, is it? No. Now we cover life experiences. Ours. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, just check out the show, please. We really, <laughs> we really need it. Okay? We need a win. Just check us out. We talk about the show Boy Meets World. Each episode of our show, we run parallel for an episode of Boy Meets World where we will examine the show. That's way too much. What happens, you know, our life, how it relates to it, experiences. I can't believe you're still recording. I am recording this. <laughs> Check it out, guys. You'll get some hilarious stories from me and Steven from our childhood. You'll get a great... <laughs> ah, I lost it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Mississippi State made a huge splash by hiring Mike Leach early this offseason. And Mike Leach said, and I quote, I can't tell you how excited I am to be the head football coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Leach said in a Mississippi State news release. I love Washington State, but I'm excited for the next chapter in the SEC. It's a privilege to be a part of the MSU family, and we look forward to getting down to Starkville shortly, end quote. If you can believe it or not, Coach Leach was the head coach at Washington State for eight seasons, which seems like a long time to me because I felt like he was at Texas Tech for forever, too. And while the head coach for the Cougars, his teams amassed a combined record of 55 wins to 47 losses. And I was right. He was at Texas Tech for damn near a decade. His Red Raiders combined to win 84 games with 43 losses. During Leach's entire 18-year career as a head coach, he's produced two 11-win seasons, one in 2008 with Texas Tech, and then again in 2018 at Washington State. And speaking about that 2018 season, I think Leach deserves a lot of credit for those 11 wins because coming into that season, most folks pegged Washington State to finish in the basement of the Pac-12 North standings. I myself thought that the Cougars would finish in fourth place in the North that season behind Stanford, Washington, and Oregon. But boy, I couldn't have been more wrong with that preseason prediction. Leach's Cougars won a program record 11 games with the now legendary quarterback, Gardner Minshew, and that beautiful, beautiful mustache. (laughs) Leach ended up winning Pac-12 Coach of the Year, and Minshew would win Offensive Player of the Year for his efforts that season, leading the Cougars to 11 wins. Leach emerged as a leading candidate for this position in Starkville when the Bulldogs fired coach Joe Moorhead after a 6-7 season. The Mississippi State program is bringing in an offensive mastermind who is credited with implementing the air raid offense. Just this past season, in fact, his quarterback, Anthony Gordon, led the country in passing yards per game at 429.2 yards per game. He also threw for 48 touchdowns, which was second behind this year's Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow, who everyone just gushes about. Leach's Cougars also had the nation's seventh total offense in 2019, racking up over 500 yards per game. I believe it's like over... I believe it's 505 yards per game, I think is the exact figure. But this is 
that's fascinating for a team that had a losing record that they had the nation's seventh total offense. So you know what Mike Leach is capable of bringing to a program. That air raid offense is potent. It's dangerous. And maybe it could make the difference in an SEC. I mean, who knows? SEC West Division, where you've already got some tough opponents, some tough teams there on your schedule. But maybe this offense could be the difference in, uh, in making the Bulldogs a winner in the future. Who knows? But on the same same token, you know, he's been able to do that air raid offense in the Pac-12, a weaker conference overall. I mean, the SEC West is probably the toughest division in college football. You know, one of them at least. And so we're really going to see what he can do and what, what he can bring to the Bulldogs program starting this season. During Leach's eight seasons at Washington State, he earned 55 wins, which is third most by a coach in program history. And he also set a school record by taking Washington State to five straight bowls. So Mike Leach is a pretty pretty good head coach, I would say. I mean, I, I think it's fascinating what he can do on offense. And if he can put it together down there at Mississippi State, I think they may have a winner. I mean, that's certainly an interesting hire. Uh, definitely splash this offseason. And while they get a coach who is known for putting together some great offenses, you also have a coach that has had some controversy follow him. And I'm thinking most notably about the Adam Adam James incident at Texas Tech. Uh, he had a wide receiver, Adam James, who was the son of Craig James, the legendary running back for SMU back in the day. And uh, he was also a former ABC college football analyst. It was near the end of Mike Leach's tenure at Texas Tech. I guess there was an incident where Adam James reportedly had a concussion after a football game or after, after one of the practices. And to remedy his concussion symptoms, uh, apparently Mike Leach told him to go into a storage closet and this happened on several occasions, I think at least two different occasions, as was reported. Uh, he, Adam James would go into a closet, into a dark closet, and just stand there for hours, and he wasn't allowed out. That was the, I guess, the report back in the day was that that reportedly happened. But I want to say that that story was eventually found to be untrue, that I, I thought Adam James made that up. I, I thought that was just a whole whole thing that was uh instigated by Adam James and his father. I could be wrong, but I thought that that's what eventually happened in the end. But it was certainly an ugly blemish on Mike Leach's record, on, on Mike Leach's career. And so if you know if he was cleared of any wrongdoing, that's great. But the fact that it still comes up when you do a search of Mike Leach, that tells you that things don't go away. You know, Even if you didn't have anything to do with it, unfortunately, it's a blemish that remains on his record. And so that eventually led to him leaving Texas Tech. And like I said in the beginning, he was there forever. He was there for a decade and it didn't seem as if he was going to leave, you know, uh, at least not be fired. And the fact that that's kind of what led to his his departure at Texas Tech is unfortunate, but Washington State, I'm sure, was very pleased with the eventual hire of their head coach. He's found success at two different programs in two different conferences, and now he comes to the SEC and has the opportunity to turn that program around this season. That's got to be a great feeling if you're a Mississippi State fan or connected to the program in any way, that you're getting a guy that has all this experience. And I think with the system that he runs, I mean, he could turn this program around a lot faster than Lane Kiffin can at Ole Miss. Just just due to the fact that how he runs his offense and how high tempo and high 
high speed it, it really is, they have an opportunity, I think, to go to a bowl game starting this season, you know? So as I mentioned that there's controversy that has been tied to Mike Leach's name, I also want to say that Mike Leach is also a very good content creator. And if you follow him on Twitter, you know what I mean. I'm going to pull up my phone right now and I want, I want to read you some tweets that I thought were pretty interesting for Mike Leach just from the past few months or so. And you can follow Mike Leach on Twitter at Coach underscore Leach. And so I'm going to read you maybe five five of his tweets that I found kind of interesting. Like I said, he is a very interesting guy. He's... Uh, He's 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 different. He's a different breed. So the first tweet from Mike Leach that I liked was, if I had a dollar for every girl that found me unattractive, they would eventually find me attractive. That was one of them. Another one from Mike Leach. Last year, I joined a support group for antisocial people. We haven't met yet. Another one here. If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving isn't for you. Another fascinating tweet from Mike Leach. I hope when I choke to death on gummy bears, people just say I was killed by bears and leave it at that. Another one here. Person, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done? Me, awfully bold of you to assume I peaked. Another one. Your chances of being killed by a raccoon are low, but never zero. FYI, you pee on jellyfish sting, not a jelly stain. Again, my apologies to the lady at the Waffle House this morning. This dude is just a very interesting guy. He's always got interesting thoughts uh, during his press conferences. So the SEC West uh, definitely has a coach who will probably be the most interesting coach, maybe maybe an entire SEC, uh, to be honest. I mean, he's, he's an odd bird. But again, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can find him at coach underscore leech and so this guy is going to be a lot of fun this season so we'll see how it all plays out so i'm really excited to see what the the state of the sec will be starting this season i mean you've got these two head coaches are certainly a big splash but then you still also have nick saban at alabama you've got jimbo fisher at texas a&m and then you've got gus malzahn at auburn so you got some big name coaches in your division of the sec it's football is going to be a lot of fun this season this egg bowl is going to be an awesome watch beginning this season so i'm excited to see it all shake out i hope you guys are ready for all this madness and mayhem to happen this season but yeah it should be fun and i'm really looking forward to the start of college football season and i hope you guys are too so with that i want to say thank you for downloading this episode of the cherry pickup podcast i hope you guys have fun listening to this and uh, i cannot wait to talk to you guys again in the very very near future so i hope you guys have a good one i'll talk to you take care Every time a car moved anywhere in the vicinity of the complex, the mob ran in that direction shouting and chanting, F.U. Kiffin. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.